We know that uh, artists have a signature, if you like, that can be encapsulated in something called fractal dimension, which is basically a rhythm of repeating patterns that repeat um, seismatically, if you like. They, they, they repeat at magnitudes. So if you like, the brush stroke uh, would build into the surf on a beach scene, would build into a, an ocean wave, would build into the ocean, um, and would also those patterns would also be seen in, in parts and in the sky. So there's a kind of a rhythm. Um, and if you like, it, this brush is like the artist's pen, um, in the way in which they, they, they write their sentences, if you like. Um, the fractal pattern isn't just about the way that the brush moves, it's also about the way that the hand moves. Uh, again, increasing in magnitude, the arm movements, and in some cases, the entire body of the artist. So that information seems to be a footprint which is actually encapsulated in the artist's work. We've been able to explore this and, and look historically at artists that have had neurological problems and, and see if their signature on changed unusually outside of what the normal range would be. So you and your team examined over 2,000 paintings from the careers of seven famous artists who either were normal as far as the aging process goes or had significant neurodegenerative disorders. Artists like Salvador Dali, William de Koning, uh, Pablo Picasso, Marc Chagall, Claude Monet. How did your study actually work? We used high digital copies of the images to Uh do it. And then we use a, a technique that, that allows you to actually then um, measure in, in, in the images so the extent to which these patterns repeat. Wow. And so, then, so you feed uh, them into a computer yeah. and the program then uh, yeah. yes. deciphers. Uh, I mean, it is, it is quite time-consuming, um, and that's why it's taken me 10 years to finally publish this data. It's wow. Been, I've been working on it for 10 years um, because we have tried to automate it. We should try to get a computer program but you still need a human being to look at the piece of art inside. You know, what is foreground? What is background? Mm. Um, every time we try to get a computer to try and do what a human does, it didn't work. So basically, the human decides what the what the, the fact of the painting is, like what the key message of the painting is, and then the fractals, it starts to fractal search. So it will look in an area, and then it will start to see how much of that, that style is repeated elsewhere. So um, people are, tend to be very familiar with Dali's work, so if we use him as an example, some of his earlier works, you know, the, the painting of the melting clocks, for example, is very well known. You'll see fractal content where he's created um, water areas, beach areas, uh, mountains and clouds in the sky. And those those patterns are actually even repeated within the clocks that are melting. But in his later work, he starts, that, that information isn't there anymore. He's still got complex paintings, but he's relying more on geometric principles. And certainly in later life, I mean, we know that you know his he, there were there were drug issues. That you know his, his apparently his wife was self medicating him with a hotchpotch of things. So that gotta do what you gotta do. Still, yeah, <laughs> the, the paintings are still pretty esque but much uh, much uh, more geometrical. I got, I, I, the, the, that fractalness has been removed. Hmm. Was he, did, did he suffer from Parkinson's? He had Parkinson's disease, yes. Okay. Now, there's some argument in the, in the literature whether it was Parkinson's or Parkinsonism, which is a drug-induced type of Parkinson's. Painters evolve and their styles change, so you must have had to take that into account. Uh, can you explain how you did that? 
Picasso's a good example. Picasso was a great experimenter. He tried lots of different things, but he showed that he had a range that he used constantly um, over time, with, with some minor deviations. He had his normal range that he used. If you think about before we had computers, if you were a writer and you were writing, you know, in Victorian times, a, a horror story, your handwriting would be the same if you suddenly decided to write your biography. Sure. So it's a bit like that. You might change the, 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 the genre, but you, your signature um, is, is still there, and it is your unique signature. And I do know that there's other research in Parkinson's at the minute that's looking at Parkinsonian gait. This is the walk that you get yep. with Parkinson's disease, and they've shown that it's very individual. People have a very individual sort of imprint of, of the way in which their gait is. It's not a generalization. It's something that's very much unique to them. So, um, you know, I mean, the main thing I think for this research is I don't think we're necessarily going to be able to immediately produce some sort of um, uh, di- early diagnostic technique. But what I, my main hope is it will open up new thinking about neurological problems. What's fascinating? Yeah, and 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 you know, their their body movements actually held within that painting like a time capsule. 